Thank you for listening to the Fields Brothers Show. Well, Jeff, we got several things to talk about. Um, one, we're going to talk about um, the finances here at uh, the Fields Brothers and uh, the fact that you're the financial um, administrator here. And I, I got some questions. <laughs> and uh, so, um, you know. And we walked in tonight and you've got a check here that someone sent yeah, to us. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Made out to me that I've endorsed over to the Fields Brothers for what, a big 60 some dollars? Is that right? That you've endorsed so, over. Well, I'm, is this okay. an invisible ink? I don't okay, see an I endorsement. I will endorse over then. Okay, I didn't know I had to. <laughs> yeah, right. so, anyway. Yeah, you know what? It, we worked pretty hard. How were we in this? Our fifth year? Fourth year? Um, this, or four and a half years? Let's see. The book there? was September 17. And so um, I think September 17 is when we formed our partnership. So that's that almost four, four years. Almost four 21 years. 21 minus 17 well, is four. Well, September. So we're yeah. three and a half years? So it'll be four years in September. It'll be four years in September. Right, so a little over three and a half years. years. Yeah. And this year we told that all this, when all the bills are paid and everything, we lost thirty dollars <laughs> each. Each thirty dollars. <laughs> I mean, I'm not asking much, but you think we could come out in the black next year? Maybe I know we don't sell advertising. We don't ask for money for support of this, and we're not going to do that. But maybe we could pay the bills next year well we sell enough books to cover you know we got 18 bucks a month we pay buzzsprout to host our podcast oh, That's really, then you know when these uh all right there our email thing comes up every now and then but right. uh, so yeah we are legally not a non-profit we're right. just practically in, we, yeah. in, in yeah. reality we're a non-profit just not legally that way but all but right. that makes it fun you know it, it is i mean seriously it's a lot of fun to do something where you really don't the money's not an issue, you know. I lost thirty bucks, Jeff. That's an issue to me. I mean, that may not be an issue to you. You'd be a financial advisor and all. It but, was you know. in the account. It wasn't like you, you know. It's not okay. like we ripped thirty bucks out of your wallet uh. or anything like that. It was already in the account. We just had a little bit less at the end of the year than the start of the year, but we're still solvent, and that's okay. So, we're not going under, are you? So. Let me know if we're going under, right? So. Oh boy. Well, anyway, I almost last time I'm going to bring this up, but you know. Uh, my daughter Shannon did win the fantasy football league. It just okay, yeah. it's worth did pointing you mail it? out. Did you send that to her? Did no, her she wanted trophy? me to keep it on my mantle. I took it, put it on my mantle, okay. took a picture, sent her the picture. She said, "Just go ahead and keep it." Now she fussed about not receiving it. Then when we're ready to give it, she says, "Oh, well, just keep it." Well, she just huh? thought she was a little disappointed that you never even said anything about it. Well, she I was. Meant, I would have. He would I have. Well, yeah, I would. <laughs> <laughs> well, she thought maybe it's been what a couple of months since it was. When was it over? I mean. League was uh, over. around the first of the year. Okay, first of early January. Two, three months, two and a half months. She just thought anyway. So it, it's all good now. But she said, no, I showed her the picture of it on the mail. She goes, no, that looks good there. Just keep that picture. Just keep it there. Well, this will make it easy when she loses next year. She won't you know, have you to worry have to about mailing it back, it back or anything like that. It'll already be here. So. But anyway, on your side of the family, Jeff, there were nine members that were into this league. On my side of the family, there was one. When there some was of this nine was on, to one. Now, three of these were uh, my in-laws. Well, so, that's your you side know. of the family. What do you mean? That's, that's, that's not my side of the family. Your side of the family, nine people. My side, one, and my one. One time, she's one. Dominated the league. We've done this several years. Well, one this time year. She okay, wins, this so. year. So, I just thought well, that was important. It's not like it's a dynasty out. or anything. Right. So. And I don't talk about this much, but I am a realtor. I was runner-up, by the way, too. Where are you really? Well, yeah. congratulations, and I are into the final. Okay. Final one, so. Well, if you win it next year, I will take the ma- trophy off my mantle and hand it to you. Maybe well, just, during just, a podcast. Just I might even just make it. a little ceremony out of it here, you know. And I paid for that little plaque. I paid eight or ten bucks, ten bucks for that little plate. 
to put on there with her name on it. So. <laughs> is that why we're in the hole? Does it come out of the Fields Brothers account? Or? Uh, no comment. Okay. <laughs> yeah. no, no. Oh, goodness. Well, anyway, um, you know, as I said, I, I am a – oh, let me tell you, I got to tell you this. I don't know if you ever watch some of these um, – you know, shows at TV lives are they're kind of. Do I ever watch any of these night. shows on TV? Well, wait, well, let yeah, me get to my point. You know, some of them that, that talk about like you know, either um, they're science shows or just kind of a. You know, a lot of them are about like ancient aliens. There's all kinds of weirdness on you know, but I saw one the other night. This is something that just struck me so funny, and it was about the paranormal. And I thought, okay, what you got here? You know, I'll turn this on, and they talked about some house, and I think it was in Pennsylvania. And this was years ago, a couple. I think it's a couple of decades ago. There was some house that had a bunch of paranormal activity, okay. and it, the word got out. People came. I mean, it was on. You know, the TV cameras were outside, and they would get. And they saw. Here's here's what they saw. They saw a. Uh, I think it was a refrigerator or a, maybe a TV. I forget what. Some big appliance that scooted across the floor. Okay. okay? And they saw a couple of recliners that went up and down on their own, like the little foot thing you yeah, went up yeah, and down. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's about it. That's all that they were talking about. And that was just blowing them away, you know, because it was kind of to them. It was, and I don't know whether this was legit or not. I'm just showing you what, telling you what they showed, said on the show, you know, of, of satanic activity in this house. Okay. okay. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? If I was the devil and I had any power whatsoever, I could think of a better way to show it <laughs> than to scoot around appliances in some house in Pennsylvania and put the recliners up and down. I'm thinking I would do something a little, if I could, a little, a little more, more impressive than A little than more that. strategic than I mean, yeah. that's it. I'm thinking that's the devil's <laughs> proof that he exists. He's scooting appliances around. I mean, I just thought it was terrible. So, and they thought that was just so frightening. I'm thinking... I think that's incredible. If that's the best he can do, we we just have no problem. I mean, that, I thought that was just well, so. I, I, I mean, hadn't like, really thought now, of it that way, but woke, I, I see your point. I mean, if we woke up one day like an Eiffel Tower had been tied in a knot, now that would impress me. You know, <laughs> some some big, maybe the Grand Canyon filled with whipped cream that would get my attention. So but you're really not you're afraid scooting. of your refrigerator scooting yeah, well, across the floor? Just, that's it. I'm thinking that's the big <laughs> evidence that we have this powerful evil force in the world he scoots around furniture in one house in pennsylvania i thought that was the funniest thing so whether it's legit or not whether anything's going we really definitely going on watch, the house, we I, watch I doubt different it, tv but channels i think but. sometimes sometimes you get desperate to find anything to watch on tv tonight so anyway also let me i've got a lot of random stuff i'm sorry this podcast may not be as spiritual as some i don't know but also, I'm still fascinated by the. I'm a realtor, and I had a um, a house that had some cigarette smell in the house. Okay, right. I remember. Yeah, you know, okay. somebody, I forget what you and I have talked about off microphone, yeah. what we yeah, talked about on that. microphone. Did we? Did we talk about this on podcast before? No, I don't okay. think so. All right, I, 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 we did. I, I don't apologize. Know. I don't know. But um, so, come to find out, you can get a thing called an ozone generator, which puts out O3, which is ozone. It's got an extra oxygen molecule, which you would think would be no big deal, but apparently, it's a big deal. So this this ozone goes out, and it it's un, what they call unstable. In other words, it's not going to hang in the air. It just goes down and goes and it goes towards anything organic. It binds with it and breaks it down. So that means any kind of cigarette smell, pet urine, <laughs> mold. Okay. And the army just recently, last past few weeks, put out a statement that it kills COVID. Huh. So. It's pretty amazing stuff. Now it's a, it's like a it's like a white cloud you see coming out of this 
ozone generator. Okay, so I've got I've now got one of these things. And so what you do is for about you know for fifteen hundred square feet or less, you turn this machine on, you leave your vents your um, furnace running. You want the fan to run to circulate this thing through the system and also to clean out the vents because the vents get this you know stuff in them gets you know you know organic material. And so then you, but you have to leave the house. This stuff is not safe for people, uh, pets, or plants while you're running it. Mm-hmm. What happens and, if you go in there? Well, you, it's not like cyanide gas. You can breathe a little bit of it, but you don't want to breathe much of it. You know, you don't want to stay there. You don't want to take a nap in a house where one of those things going off. You know, because it, it'll get in your lungs. And it's just not good for your lungs. I don't think it'll kill you, but it's not okay. definitely not good for you. Um, so anyway, you leave the house and then you let this thing run all day, and then you let the house air out for about three or four hours. So air out just means opening the doors and windows. Well, you don't even really have to. I mean, if you just stop, you put on a timer, so it just stops running. I do usually open the doors and windows now, or at least did it work in the house? You did. It really did. I mean, there was a there was a faint cigarette smell, but not much. It didn't hit you, and it made a huge, huge difference. It's really remarkable. And um, any spiritual application to that? Well, I'll, I'll, I'm thinking about that. I might come up with the next <laughs> podcast. You know, I don't know, but it just goes after anything, and it'll go into fabric, carpet, drapery. I mean, it's really an amazing machine. So, uh, but some people are kind of afraid of it because they, you know, they say, "Well, it's not safe." Well, it's not safe. Yeah, if you stay in the house and take a nap, but if you get out of the house and then air it out a little bit, then it's fine. A big long set of instructions come with it, with all these warnings and everything. Well, I, there's some there's some instructions, but then I watch the YouTube videos and stuff about what to do, what not to do, and all. And it's not that complicated. I mean, you basically, go in there and you plug. You put no chemicals in it. You just plug it in, and it's not real big. You know, you just plug this thing in and let it run. Get out of the way. So anyway, you know, I'm always still amazed at how much I hear the phrase um, "Give your life to Jesus." Mm-hmm. I mean, that is kind of the definitive phrase for, for so many people. And it's, it's amazing to me that nobody ever bothers to try to look that up in the Bible. Or you hear of a meeting, oh, you know, eight people gave their life to Christ that yeah, night. Yeah. Things like that. And it's like, occasionally, if we're telling people they need to read their Bible, occasionally you need to draw some conclusions from the Bible we're reading. And one of those conclusions would be that's not an emphasis in the Bible yeah. of giving your life to Christ. The emphasis of the Bible over and over, and I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. Uh, out of many that I could read, of the fact that Jesus came to give his life to you. You know, if it's all about you giving your life to Jesus, he didn't have to come for that. Mm-hmm. He could have stayed in heaven. We could have done that. But he came to give his life to us. That's the whole point of him coming to earth and being born as a baby, growing up, dying on a cross, resurrecting. He came to give his life for you. And so, for instance, it's real clear there's a statement in Matthew, similar, almost exact statement in, in Mark 10 that's in Matthew 20, where it says, he calls himself the son of man many times. This is one of those places. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. He didn't come so you could serve him. Mm-hmm. And that's still, he didn't revoke that. That's still the way it is. Um, but to give his life as a ransom for many, not just a few, but many. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's a remarkable statement. And it's one we just don't seem to grasp. In 1 Timothy, it says there's one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Which is the testimony. Now, listen, what, what does this mean? Do you give his life um, as, a, as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time? You ever read that? I'll say that again. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse, this is verse 6, I believe, where it says this part. Um, the man Jesus Christ who gave himself as a ransom. Now, ransom is a payment. Mm-hmm. It's a payment. He came to pay, we say, pay the whole price, pay the price in full. 
who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. That's how the English Standard Version says it. No, just I, say it slightly differently, but pretty close. I, I don't, don't, don't know that I remember that I'm phrase. I'm giving my opinion okay. about that phrase. I can't prove this. My opinion is that this testimony given at the proper time, the proper time is after Jesus had actually done this. It's after the cross. Mm-hmm. The proper time there was not, the, what the proper time for that message was not before the cross. It hadn't happened yet. Right. And that's why you don't see that message of being in Christ talked about in the Gospels. It's okay. not until yeah. after the death and resurrection of Jesus in the epistles that you see this phrase come apart. And a lot of the stuff that's talked about as being a is the gospel is talked about after, you know, mm-hmm. which makes sense after the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that's the proper time. I just never, that phrase just jumped out at me when I read that today at the proper time. And so, anyway, there's there's scriptures like in, in Revelation 5 where it talks about he's worthy to, because um, by, by his blood he ransomed people to God. He's worthy to be worshiped or to take the scroll. I'm sorry. And so there's all this stuff. I mean, there's, there's more. And the two words that seem to refer to payment. In the Bible, are ransom and redemption, or the whole debt thing? Pay, you know, pay the debt. debt. But the two words, I think, in redemption, maybe even more than ransom. Mm-hmm. But the two Bible words that come up are words that specifically refer to something that's been paid. Now, I used to think of it like this: Well, God just paid for me. That means He owns me, and I would just see it as kind of a control thing. Well, He He gets to control me now because He paid for me. He's yeah. a boss. He's, yeah, he's a boss. the owner, like an owner of a ball club or something. That's, the owner that's, makes the rules. That's not really the way yeah. it's used. You know that he, um, he he or it's bought like a us. Slave, you buy a slave or something. Right, but that's not the way it's used. There, he bought us to be able to love us, to be mm-hmm. able to uh, provide for us, to be able to um, uh, to be our dad. Um, so anyway, just this whole thing, you know, of just that Jesus gave his life to us. That's the point of the gospel, not that we give our life to him. So anyway, just the whole thing of life, you know, that that's the, that's the other half of the gospel that's left out so many times that, you know, the first half is death on the cross. We're reconciled to God. Romans five we we're reconciled to God by the, by the death of his son. Right. So much more shall we be saved by his life. And so, you know, salvation is, is being made whole. You know, we were, you know, in the Garden of Eden, the tree of life represented that life. He designed us to have life, the life of God in us, and sin took that away. And so all through that time, man did not have life because sin was still in the way. But when the cross took care of the sin issue, that opened the way for the life to come back in, that we were designed to have the life of God within us. Yeah. And so uh, that, so he came to, yeah, came to give us his life, not to... He doesn't need us to give him us. You know, he doesn't need us to give yeah, him our life. Yeah, he doesn't need anything. He's fine. He doesn't yeah, need anything. Yeah. We're it, receiving we're, in. It really is kind of a fundamental thing. So Am I on the giving this, end or the receiving end? We of have deal, so, so flipped the whole thing. You know, he didn't come so we could serve Jesus. You know, if you look mm-hmm. up the phrase serve Jesus, there is not much in the Bible about that. That was never the point. Now, Paul calls himself a couple times a servant, but he really basically served people. He served the church. But there's very little about okay now that you know I'm God's I got to serve God. I think he refers to himself Paul the servant of the he Lord does. Jesus he does Christ. That's what I'm like saying. That. He does okay. say he says, sir. But basically, it was it, it, that wasn't the you know and actually he he was in a unique way was a servant. He was knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus and told to go in and take this message to the Gentiles. But anyway, I think we flipped it. It's about what Jesus has done for us. He serves us. Because he loves us, he gave his life for us. It's not about our giving our our lives to him. All right, another one. You want to change the topic here? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm fascinated. I've been reading over several times. First Corinthians one. I love the chapter. 
And uh, Paul says a couple things that just really jumped out at me. He says, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel or good news, which word, word gospel means, not with words of elegance or of elegant wisdom, lest what? The cross of Christ be emptied of its power. That is an amazing statement. Yeah. That if he's just going to be an eloquent speaker, and that's the essence of his message, then the cross, you would think it's impossible for the cross to lose its power, but in a sense it does. It's not like the cross doesn't have power, but our application of the cross doesn't have power. In other words, if we don't, it's like having a, a powerful engine in your car, but if you don't turn it on and start it, then it has no power. Yeah, or a light switch. You know, you don't yeah. turn the light switch on. The, the uh, translation I got here says, um, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. No effect, okay. So, but that is... Um, and, and, and the idea yeah. that... And you have to think, okay, in modern church, is that a lot of what's happening? We have a lot of eloquence, but there's not much power because we've let our eloquence, our, our speaking abilities, or our communication style, or the, even the content of what we communicate, trump the gospel, the good news of the cross, and what God does. So, I mean, it goes on in uh, chapter 1. The very next verse says, For the word of the cross is folly... Um, uh, to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. To people who don't say they just don't get it. It just seems really dumb. You know, Jesus came and died for us, and that they just do not get that. To us, it's the power. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what it all rests on. What Jesus did for us on the cross. But he, Paul says in verse twenty-three, but we preach. So, what's the message? Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews. They did not want to hear that, and just folly to the Gentiles. Says Christ, so, why, did, why didn't he say Christ, crucified and risen? Why yeah, didn't he just say he doesn't crucified? Say that. Yeah. I mean, the crucifixion was really the day everything changed. I mean, we've talked about that many times. That was the game changer day, the day that Jesus gave his life, paid the full price for our salvation. It's like, you know, there's a lot of things that if they're empty, they're not good. If your gas tank is empty, it's not good. Your a battery's empty, it's not good. Your bank account's empty, that's not good. Well, you know, when you empty the cross, that's not good. And when you emphasize other things other than what God has done for you through Jesus, then that's not good. And uh, yeah, you get the idea that power. you know that not with wisdom of words. I mean, let, let's talk about that just a second. You know, I are you like me? Do you still find? I mean, I you know I enjoy a good public speaker. You know, I, oh, yeah. I enjoy preachers again. Yeah. And so it's yeah. not that it's it's yeah. it's wrong or bad, but it, I do find myself thinking, you know, we still get too attached to that. At times, and to where you know, if Paul, you get the idea. Apostle Paul was not an impressive speaker. Well, yet, yeah, I know. For me, a lot not. of times, the most meaningful things in my life, many times, are what you know, in a conversation over a, around a kitchen table or in someone's living room or or a phone conversation or something like that. We've let style uh, take precedence over content, or we'll mm-hmm. say clarity. Another, and it really comes down to five things. I don't know if I can remember all five of these. I wrote these down, but then I didn't bring the notes. But you know, it's usually your your, your church typically, and this sounds like I'm really down the church, but I'm going to turn this around in just a second too. That you know, if you got a pastor that really can really communicate, if you've got a great building, if you've got great music, the whole concept of celebrity pastor really yeah. is a, yeah, well, an that's issue. a big deal. So you got a great building. I mean, these are the things that, that are our style that people mm-hmm. see that they experience. Our pastor, our building, our music. We've got to have you know rocking music. Uh, we've got to have um, programs that people benefit from, and then you've got to have uh, significance within the community. You've got to be seen as doing something important in the community. Yeah. And if you have those five things, that becomes kind of the style of your church. 
And I have nothing against really those things. I mean, I have seen churches that have all five of those where they really are clear about the gospel, and there really is a clarity. And I've seen churches that have all those things or some of those things where there's no content whatsoever that I could even, at least I could see. Mm -hmm. And so I just think, Whatever that's worth. This whole thing of preaching, I mean, it reminds me, I haven't thought of this for a long time, but it, it, it was an eye-opener for me many years ago when I read about the fact that, I think it was, um, I forget his name, but John, um, it was like 300 A.D. Christian, uh, uh, not Christendom, but something like that. He's a well-known, he was a, an orator. Like a well-known orator, oh, okay. came from All the right. Greek culture. Right. They became a Christian, and he was known for being a great orator. Yeah, and that the whole concept of the sermon, as we know it today, really did not come into the church until like three hundred years. You know, all that part with Augustine and, and all that stuff when the church kind of became more formal and accepted. Um, or Constantine, not Augustine, but Constantine. I should huh. have said. Um, but that's when 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 the guy who was kind of considered the golden orator became a Christian, he brought the concept of oratory into the church for the first time. Uh, and then until then there was teaching, but the idea of a well-structured sermon did not uh, exist for the first two or 300 years of the church. Uh, but, and I think that's significant that, you know, teaching was done in more conversational style or in a dialogue type of thing. You know, I think there was dialogue, uh, but, um, but the idea of a, someone standing up and giving a piece of oratory just really does bring the attention to the orator many times. And you know, a lot of them we I, like I and, and learn from that. and all that. So even like the but, Sermon um, on the Mount, we would say it really wasn't a sermon. Jesus went through just stuff. It wasn't a sermon like we would construct a right, sermon today. Right. And he sat down and was just <clears> talking <throat> to them. And, um, and then, you know, so much of his teaching was just in conversations with people. You know, as he went about, you know, it wasn't like he, he never called a meeting, you know, to, yeah, yeah. to have that. So, yeah. Hey, one of the, the um, and I think you saw this too, this quote. I think it's a great quote. Um, the uh, I've never heard of the person that said it, but it was on, um, I think Kevin, uh, was it Finn? Um, oh, my mind was blank. Feeney. Feeney, yeah, Kevin Feeney's um, uh, Facebook page, but he, I think, quoted uh, Glenn Steinmo. I think he's actually pronounced that. And I love, I'm a quote-aholic, <clears throat> and I love quotes that can take relatively constant, <laughs> Com uh, complex issues or what might be a complex issue and make it very, very clear. And I think this is one of those things, this one's close, I wish I had said this. He said, salvation is not a reward for behaving. It is a gift for believing. That is pretty clear. I think I love the clarity of that. Salvation is not a reward for behaving. It is a gift for believing. So what's your comment on that? You know, it is all about believing, and again, believing in a person. We've talked about that before, that um, not believing a doctrine, not an intellectual capability, but a, a trust in a person to as many as believed in him gave he the right to become the children of God. To as many received him, we receive him by believing in him. So absolutely, it's a gift. Well, we do have a Facebook page, The Fields Brothers Show. Uh, we have email addresses, roger at uh, thefieldsbrothers.com and jeff at thefieldsbrothers.com. Isn't that our email address? Is I believe right? it is. And we and, have a book. Uh, and the book is Breaking the Hex. And subtitled Life with God After the Cross Killed Religion. We talk about how the cross really did kill religion, which I think is a fascinating concept. But that's um, Breaking the Hex. And it's on Amazon for nine ninety nine, I think. 
What a deal. What a deal.